0: How God uses man's schemes to accomplish his plans. Alex Newman joins us today for that topic right here on the Christian Worldview radio program where the mission is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm David Wheaton, the host, the Christian Worldview is a non listener-supported radio ministry. We are able to broadcast on the radio station, website, or app on which you are listening today because of the support of listeners like you. So thank you for your prayer, encouragement, and support. You can connect with us by visiting our website, thechristianworldview.org, calling your toll-free number, 1-888-646-2233, or by writing to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Five, if you sense that a major transformation is taking place in our nation, and around the world for that matter, you are correct. The final book of the Bible, Revelation, tells us what the world will be like in the future prior to Christ's return. A globalized world led by an authoritarian leader called the Antichrist who exerts strict control over peoples and societies all in opposition to God. So, how do we get from here, where we are now, to there? After all, the world is currently comprised of nation-states with diversified leadership. In fact, our own nation, the most powerful, affluent, autonomous, Christian-influenced nation in history, is the biggest impediment to a globalized system. But that is changing right before our eyes. Everything our nation has been known for, military might, financial strength, legal justice, social cohesion, Christian values, is being undermined and remade. Those without a biblical worldview are cheering us on because they believe, correctly I might add, that America must decrease for globalism to increase. Make no mistake, the Bible's prophecies about the future will be fulfilled just as prophecies made about the past were fulfilled. There is no thwarting God's plan. In fact, the amazing thing is how God uses the sinful schemes of man to accomplish his plans. Christians don't need to be anxious about our transformative time, but rather should prepare and shine. Alex Newman, award-winning journalist and CEO of Liberty Sentinel Media, joins us today and next week to discuss how seven pillars upholding our society are purposely being crumbled in order to achieve a so-called Great Reset. So as we listen to the conversation with Alex this week and next, let's be informed so we can prepare for what's ahead. And we're going to be offering a presentation that Alex did last year in DVD form on the Great Reset for a donation of any amount to the Christian Worldview. We'll tell you how you can get that throughout the program today. But first, Alex, it's so good to have you back on the Christian Worldview radio program. I jotted down seven general categories, or I guess you could call them pillars upon which a society, a good functioning, strong society is grounded. And these pillars that I'm going to list here aren't necessarily in any particular order because they're all interconnected and interdependent on one another. The first one I wrote was national defense that has to do with military immigration, protecting a nation's borders from, from immigration, illegal immigration, and from foreign enemies, that kind of thing. Second category is energy, whether it's food and water and fuel that energizes a society. Number three is financial. How is a country's spending, debt, currency, taxation, inflation, trade? What's the marketplace like? Number four is political. Who is your leadership? Number five a category or pillar is legal. Is there justice? Is, is there lawfulness in a society? Otherwise, you have a breakdown of society. Number six, what is the social fabric, the social cohesion of a society with, with family and marriage and education, health care, other things like that, relations between people? And number seven pillar is spiritual. Uh, what are the beliefs of a nation? What's the health of the church? So I'm just going to go through, Alex, and ask you just a question or two about each of those pillars, because you focus in your work on a lot of these different elements. You have a very broad base of focus i guess you could say with what the things you write about in your various writings and podcasts and so forth let's start out with national defense the question is can we defend our nation from foreign armies illegal immigration detrimental things coming into our country like you know deadly drugs and so forth i mean if you can't defend yourself you don't have a nation anymore if you can be easily taken over it appears to me alex that we this country now does not have the will or the wisdom to win wars or, or to stay out of wars. You look at what happened in Iraq and Afghanistan, what's going on in Ukraine right now, the mentality in Ukraine of whatever it takes, this proxy war we have with Russia and Ukraine, which depletes our money, our munitions. Uh, I looked just recently online. I'm sure you, you've seen this. There was a U.S. Army recruitment ad on Twitter. And of course, you can't base too much on the comments after a given post. But literally almost every single comment was, was something to the effect that I, I'm a third generation military person. I would never have my son or daughter go into the military now the way they are trying to transgenderize, I guess you could say, the armed forces, uh, the radical social nature, the vaccine mandates, everything that's going on within the military. Every comment was kind of related to something like that. And when I, I, I saw that, I thought to myself, wow. Wow. What if we were to have a war? Could the U.S. actually conduct a war to defend our nation with so many people being so negative about the military now? But let's start out with the question about Ukraine, Alex. What is the bigger story of the U.S. involvement going on in Ukraine right now? I mean, I think everyone's for Ukraine being able to defend itself from Russia taking over the country. But what is really going on there?
1: Well, thank you, David, and a lot to unpack right there. But I would say the the greater agenda that's taking place in Ukraine, and I think there are multiple ways to look at this, to dissect it, but I think the overarching agenda is really conflict for the sake of conflict war for the sake of war the establishment the insiders the deep state you know whatever you want to call this maniacal group of totalitarians who have determined that uh, they are superior to us that they want to rule over us Uh, they have understood for many many generations that war is the fastest way to undermine national sovereignty individual liberty it's the fastest way to expand uh, the the reach the scope the power of the state of government And so I think what we're watching in Ukraine is actually part of a complex geopolitical process that was set into motion uh, probably starting decades ago. But they really started talking about it openly about a decade ago. And that is the shift away from what they and by they, I mean, kind of the deep state individuals and organizations that are involved in this transition from a world of sovereign or relatively sovereign nation states to a kind of a one world system. They've been talking about this shift from a unipolar world order, uh, meaning a world where the United States was the world's hegemonic, uh, unchallengeable superpower, right? Uh, Even just a few decades ago, all of the world's militaries combined would have really struggled to go up against uh, the U.S. military, Uh, And so this transition from a unipolar world order to what they describe as a multipolar world order where you have a number of power centers, so Moscow, Beijing, uh, maybe South Africa, Brazil, et cetera, that transition is happening now. And what's happening in Ukraine is, is one of the catalysts. It's one of the mechanisms being used to accomplish this. So it very much involves the destruction of the U.S. military. Um, you, you alluded to several key points there. I've spoken with generals. I've spoken with admirals on the record. I mean, this, these aren't secret conversations uh, who've told me that the Biden administration is actually waging war on our own military. So you look, uh, they left uh, almost 100 billion dollars worth of military equipment in Afghanistan. A lot of that ended up in Russian hands. A lot of that ended up in Chinese hands. A lot of that ended up in Taliban hands and uh, the hands of other Islamic extremists. Now we're sending what's left over to Ukraine. Now, traditionally, uh, what made the U.S. military superior to our potential adversaries, in particular communist China and Russia, was our technology. Uh, We no longer have that advantage Uh, through systematic and I would say treasonous activities by individuals at the highest levels of our government. uh, Bill Clinton actually got caught doing this. This was the Chinagate scandal. Uh, They have sent, uh, and I believe deliberately, our most advanced military technology to our potential adversaries, especially communist China, which of course is very happy to share it with the North Koreans, the Russians, etc. And so I think what we're seeing here, and and I know this is going to touch on some of the other questions that you have, but what we're seeing here is the controlled demolition of the United States as the world's superpower – uh, and that involves the destruction of our military uh, and it's not just what's what's happening in Ukraine uh, the transgenderization the the wokeness the dividing of our troops by uh, skin tone the the teaching that uh, America is actually a racist evil horrible country that uh, really should be dismantled uh, all of this is part of the war on our military some of our best people were chased out of the military because they wouldn't take these uh, controversial uh, injections So this is a systematic process that uh, they hope is going to end in the utter decimation of the American military, along with our economy, along with our businesses, along with our technological edge, um, along with our energy infrastructure. And so all of this is happening together. And I submit to you that this is actually part of a diabolical plan. Uh, The people who think that they are engineering this, uh, you know, the Bible talks about powers and principalities, that Satan is the god of this world. First John chapter 5 tells us that uh, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. I think what we're watching here is satanic machinations. And uh, the United States is uh, as a country that was founded at least nominally on biblical principles. The idea that we're created in God's image, and therefore we have... Uh, Certain dignity that uh, God gave us the right to life, that God gave us the right to property and the government exists to protect these rights. Uh, All of that has to be wiped out of the way to bring in this new world order system that they're talking about. And I think what's happening in Ukraine needs to be understood in that context. One individual who wrote a report on this. For the U.S. State Department, this was back in the early 1960s, Lincoln Bloomfield, the report kind of gives the goal away in the title. It was called A World Effectively Controlled by the United Nations. And of course, that was the goal. How do we get to a world effectively controlled by the United Nations? And his conclusions were that the fastest way to do that is to use war, the threat of war and crises. So Ukraine helps bring about all those things, right? The war in Ukraine has helped facilitate the energy crisis, the food crisis. And of course, it has the potential to to turn into a global conflagration, potentially involving nuclear weapons. And, you know, we saw how this worked after World War II. In the aftermath of World War II, we saw the birth of the United Nations. We saw the birth of the International Monetary Fund, of the World Bank, of the uh, precursor to the European Union, the European coal and steel community. We could talk on this for for many hours, but I think the critical thing to understand is that this is part of something much bigger than just Ukrainian borders, Ukrainian territory, Ukrainian sovereignty. Um, This is part of a much larger global agenda, and Ukraine is just a a piece on the chessboard.
0: What you just described there – it sounds explosive but it makes perfect sense to me knowing where the end of scripture tells us it's going to end in this globalized uh, world with the global leader and so forth that they're they're moving toward that i think the one hard thing to understand though is there are many americans involved in this you talked about bill clinton other presidents and those on the left it's hard to understand how americans would want to see their own country be decimated or diminished and not be the global power in the world. You you think that would be bad for them if America wasn't the global power that it has been? What's the reasoning behind that? Well, they have no loyalty to the United States. In fact, I think
1: many of these people at the highest levels absolutely despise the United States, uh, partly because it has been a historically Christian nation. It has taken the gospel to every corner of this planet like no other nation in all of human history as I mentioned earlier, it's founded on these biblical principles. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of fake history today that it's all Masonic, or it's all Enlightenment principles. Really, a lot of the principles that are at the core of our Republic, uh, these came directly out of Scripture, and our Founding Fathers made that crystal clear in their writings. Um, If you take, for example, uh, the words in our Declaration of Independence that everybody should know, unfortunately, a lot of young people today don't know them, but they said, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, uh, that among These are the right to life, uh, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Uh, Thomas Jefferson didn't actually invent that language. Uh, That language uh, was first articulated by a group of Presbyterians in North Carolina. It was later enshrined in the very first document that ever circulated through the committees of correspondence uh, in a piece written by Samuel Adams. Called uh, on the rights of Christians. And he explained that uh, if you want to understand the rights of Americans as Christians, uh, you need to go to the ultimate lawgiver, that is, of course, Jesus Christ. You need to go to the New Testament. And all of these principles that were at the core of our republic actually are discerned straight from Scripture. So uh, let me give you some clear examples. When God says, Thou shalt not murder, The corollary to that, the implication of that, is that God gave you a right to life and that nobody has a right to take that from you other than God himself or if you forfeit that through, for example, violating somebody else's right to life. Uh, The same is true with the right to property. God is the one who said, thou shalt not steal. So there's a transcendent divine reason why you have a right to property. It's not just because some old dead white guys, as the uh, left likes to refer to our founding fathers, thought this up to, to um, you know preserve white supremacy. This is a total mm-hmm. hoax. They got this idea from the Bible. How, where would you get the idea that God gave you property? Well, for one, uh, God's laws are written in our hearts. For two, this is clearly articulated in the scriptures. And so these ideas that come from the Bible are fundamentally incompatible with the world order that uh, unfortunately many of the most influential, most powerful Americans want to see emerge um, as rapidly as possible. Uh, You look at people like Bill Gates, you look at people like George Soros, you look at people like David Rockefeller, even the Bushes, the Clintons. Uh, These are not people who have any attachment to the United States at all. In fact, they hate the United States. They hate the principles that it's founded on. And as Barack Hussein Obama put it as president, they want to fundamentally transform our nation. In a superficial way, it looks like they might lose power, but when you recognize that their objective is to actually destroy the shackles on their power that the U.S. Constitution, that our American traditions, that our biblical principles impose on them, then it suddenly starts to make sense. They don't see this as weakening their power. They see this as a mechanism for achieving drastically more power far beyond anything that God uh, would approve of in terms of government, right? God explains that the purpose of government is to punish evil. That's why, you know, you have to protect the right to life or punish murder. That's why you have to protect the right to property or punish thievery, right? And so these biblical principles put very strong restraints on our would-be rulers. They want to throw off these shackles and move toward a world where there are no limits on their power, where they can force you to participate in abortions, where they can force you to bend the knee, to bow down and worship. And that's what they're trying to accomplish here. They have no attachment to the United States or the Constitution that they swore to uphold.
0: Your answer there is very important to understand, because I think a lot of Christians who love this country, love the history of this nation, know it's not a perfect country. It's hard to get through your mind if you're a patriotic American, how there can be people who are fellow Americans who can be so working to undermine their own country. And that's exactly what you explained right there. Alex Newman is our guest today here on the Christian Worldview radio program. He's a journalist. He's also the CEO of Liberty Sentinel Media. Liberty is their website. We have all links to his work at our website, org. Also, we are offering today a presentation that Alex made last year in 2022 on the Great Reset which has a lot to do with what we're talking about today on the program. It's a one-hour and 20-minute presentation complete with slides and video. The normal retail is $10 plus shipping. You can order a copy of the DVD for a donation of any amount to The Christian Worldview. Just go to our website, thechristianworldview.org, or give us a call toll-free, 888 or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, Five five three three one, Or you can watch it online. Just go to our website, thechristianworldview.org and click on the link. We have much more coming up with Alex Newman about how God uses man's schemes to accomplish his plans. I'm David Wheaton, and you are listening to the Christian Worldview radio program.
2: You pray for revival as if it must come, but you go on working as if it will not come. We must carry on witnessing for Christ, living a holy life, seeking to know Christ better, following his ways, following his path, making unity and peace among God's people wherever we can, supporting the preaching of the word by our prayers and our encouragement and being, quite frankly, godly Christians.
0: That was from the film Revival, The Work of God, which surveys some of the great revivals of the past 500 years. This two hour, two disc DVD documentary is our new featured resource. Normal retail is $40 plus shipping, and for a limited time, you can order the film for a donation of any amount to the Christian Worldview. Go to thechristianworldview.org. Call 1-888-646-2233 or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Here's a unique resource and product for you from The Christian Worldview. We put the top 15 programs of 2022 on a great-looking bamboo USB flash drive adorned with the Christian Worldview logo. Programs like, What is the Christian's Duty to God versus Government?, Twelve mega clues that Jesus' return is nearer than ever. How America's new woke religion is not good news. Transhumanism and the quest to be like God. And what really happens when you're born again? Simply plug the flash drive into the USB port on your Windows or Mac device, and you will have the top programs at your fingertips. Plus, with the large 4 gigabyte capacity, you'll have plenty of extra space to load your own files. The flash drive is $25, and you can order by calling 1-888-646-2233, going to thechristianworldview.org or writing to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Welcome back to The Christian Realview. I'm David Wheaton. Be sure to visit our website, thechristianrealview.org, where you can subscribe to our free weekly email and annual print letter, order resources for adults and children, and support the ministry. Our guest today is Alex Newman, a journalist and CEO of Liberty Sentinel Media. LibertySentinel.org is his website. Our topic is how God uses man's schemes to accomplish his plans. We went over the first pillar that a society is grounded upon in the first segment, national defense. Alex, let's move on to the second pillar. Very important pillar for a society is just energy. You have to have food. You have to have water. You have to have fuel to feed and energize people and and to to run industry and so forth. Otherwise, you don't have anything. The the world, the universe runs on energy. And there is an all-out war, as you're very familiar, Alex, against carbon emission Uh, Fossil fuel powered engines, even gas stoves are trying to ban in in your house, trying to force electric cars on us. They want us to live in urban areas, taking electric trains here and there. Uh, They're looking for substitutes to meat uh, because they believe that farm animals contribute to human caused global warming, that cows and pigs and so forth are ruining the environment through their off gassing, you could say. We've seen a lot of destruction of the food supply in our our country through so-called accidents like chicken farms and so forth, which are very mysterious. Bill Gates, a person you just mentioned, is now the largest owner of farmland in this country. And I, and I just received a notice from the U.S. Department of Agriculture the other day by email. I just want to read you just two short paragraphs from it. They were celebrating National Agriculture Day. They said the USDA is growing a climate for success for all people involved in farming, ranching, and private forest land management. Now listen to this. We are working to create an equitable and climate smart food and agricultural economy. Uh, built to support both rural and urban communities and empower, this one's to Minnesota, Minnesota producers, agricultural producers. At the national level, the Inflation Reduction Act, remember that, that President Biden did, just injected trillions of dollars to so-called reduce inflation. Of course, it did the opposite. Represents the single largest investment in climate and clean energy solutions in American history. Last paragraph, but USDA can only succeed in its mission to help American agriculture thrive if it ensures that the Americans who need its services most receive them. Equity is not an add-on or extra. It is central to the USDA's mission. So climate change and equity are central to the U.S. Department of Agriculture. That's that's what they want to do. You could probably go a, a lot of different directions from this particular Category, The one question I'll ask, though, is I think Christians who naturally want to be good stewards of the environment, who naturally are fair-minded, we want everyone treated equally, why should Christians reject the climate change and the equity initiatives that are being pushed in our society right now through this energy pillar?
1: The simplest reason, David, is that they are based on lies and they are anti-biblical. They contradict the clear teaching of Scripture. And so let's start with climate change. This is an issue that I followed very, very closely. Uh, it is a weapon being used by these same predators that we mentioned um, in the in the previous segment to try to undermine all of the critical systems that make life possible, that make prosperity possible. Right? Uh, you mentioned uh, the food systems, the energy systems, and the water systems. I mean, without any of these three systems— Life as we know it breaks down uh, massive amounts of death emerge. Uh, Civilization cannot be sustained without those three systems. And yet climate change is the perfect weapon. I should say climate change alarmism is the perfect weapon to undermine each of those. Now, uh, it's very easy to prove that the people calling the shots here, the people driving this crazy train do not actually believe their own lies. Uh, And I've proved it a number of different ways that don't require any science. I've I've also gone around the world, interviewed a lot of the world's leading scientists just a couple weeks ago. I was at a climate summit. I interviewed some of the world's top scientists on this issue. Uh, Dr. William Happer, physics professor from Princeton University, served as Donald Trump's climate advisor. Uh, Dr. Richard Lindzen, uh, meteorology professor at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Dr. Willie Soon, astrophysicist at Harvard University. It just a sample of the leading experts who I've spoken to on this who've said this is a hoax. It's about tyranny. It has nothing to do with science. CO2 is good for the planet. And so why would they want to promote this hoax? Well, The idea that carbon dioxide is actually pollution, again, from a scientific perspective, is totally ridiculous. It's not supported by the evidence. The hypothesis has been debunked over and over and over again. Uh, In fact, we've had huge amounts of CO2 released over the last eight years, and yet the government's own data shows not one tiny bit of warming at all over the last eight years. Therefore, their hypothesis is clearly mistaken. So why are they pushing this? Well, I think the the key thing to understand is it's about control. It's about power. They want to use this to undermine our energy grid and ultimately our food systems, but not all energy grids and food systems. And this is one of the ways that you can prove that the ringleaders of this don't believe it themselves. Look at communist China. So I was in Paris at the UN climate summit when they negotiated the Paris agreement. And I remember very clearly Barack Hussein Obama announced that the United States would be slashing its emissions of carbon dioxide, which, by the way, is the gas you exhale. Uh, Human emissions of CO2 make up a fraction of a fraction of one percent of all the greenhouse gases naturally in the atmosphere. And so Barack Obama says we're going to slash ours by about 30 percent, by about one third uh, within the next uh, at that time, it would have been uh, 15 years right, or less at uh, 10 years. So that, of course, would have devastating implications for our economy. And he said so uh, even when he was running for president. He said under my plan, energy prices are going to necessarily skyrocket is the, the uh, exact phrase that he used. Well, what did the communist Chinese say? And, and by the way, at that time, the communist Chinese already released about two times as much CO2 as the United States. Today, they release about three times as much CO2 as Americans, uh, twice as much as the entire Western world combined. Uh, they're building carbon dioxide spewing power plants, coal fired power plants faster than we can count them. Uh, they've already got about half of the world's capacity. They're bringing hundreds of new ones online as we speak. And so what is happening is uh, as energy prices skyrocket in the United States because we're shutting down our energy infrastructure, we're shutting down energy exploration, all of that is being shipped over to China and all of the manufacturing and all of the industry that that supported is being shipped over to China. Now, if at, at the top, if these people truly believed that CO2 was dangerous, uh, they would – be horrified about this, right? Every unit of economic production that takes place in communist China is going to result in drastically more CO2 in the atmosphere than that same unit of economic production would release if it were done in the United States or in Canada or in Japan uh, or in Western Europe, Germany, France, Sweden, pick your pick your country. Uh, and so obviously, this is not about CO2. This is not about stopping alleged man-made climate change. The agenda is much different now. There's also a religious component to this, and this came out very clearly. I was just at the UN climate summit in Egypt uh, a couple months ago. This was the uh, COP27, and I actually thought the biggest story was the religious story. uh, My cover story that I ended up writing in the New American Magazine was a three-part package, but it was called the UN's new world religion because they brought in all of these so-called religious leaders from around the world, uh, various pagans, uh, even, even some alleged evangelical Christians. Uh, Catholic leaders, uh, Orthodox, Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus. Uh, They flew in this um, pagan ancestor spirit worshiper from the Amazon as a a supposed representative of um, indigenous spirituality in the Amazon rainforest in South America. And uh, they all agreed that uh, we really need a new system of ethics, a new system of morality, which is actually what the U.N. put in a report that was released right before the U.N. COP 27 took place. Uh, And what they said in the report was that the system of ethics and morality that evolved with mankind over the last – Few thousand years and they're referring of course to the ten commandments biblical morality was no longer adequate for the task of protecting mother earth hmm. and so their their claim was that we need a new system of morality and they actually released they they climbed up to the top of what they say is mount sinai uh, i went up the very next day they wouldn't let me go the same day and uh they they did this bizarre ceremony they repented of their climate sins again these are you know pagans uh, demon worshipers along with uh, self-proclaimed christians Uh, and and everything else that you can think of, and they unveiled this new Ten Commandments after their climate repentance ceremony that is obviously pagan, that is obviously pantheistic, that uh, treats the protection of Mother Earth and the love for Mother Earth as a goal in and of itself, and totally throws out the old Ten Commandments. And actually, through divine providence, I was able to interview uh, four of the ringleaders of this whole thing at the UN conference, and we got the video. We put it out. People can watch it. Um, and what they told me was that they, they are actually now working on what they describe as the third covenant, right? Not the old covenant, not the new covenant uh, ushered in by Jesus Christ, but a third covenant that they say is going to help us protect Mother Earth. Um, and and one of them, the CEO of the Peace Department, one of the organizers of this, told me that they were going to use this to bring in heaven on earth. They're going to build heaven on earth. In fact, they're they're doing quite the opposite. They're building hell on earth. And equity, you know, without getting too deep into the weeds, is just another term for communism. So all of this is anti-biblical. It is based on demonstrable, provable lies, and it is being used to undermine the very systems that sustain us, the agricultural systems that put food on our table, the energy systems that enable us to turn on the lights power our factories, power our transportation, move agricultural products from the rural areas into the cities so that these woke people in New York City and Los Angeles can get fresh fruits and vegetables. And they're not thinking clearly. A lot of these people who've been duped into supporting this, you know, some of them, I think, for religious reasons, others because they've just, you know, they've completely suppressed the innate knowledge of God that they have, as Romans 1 explains. They've just been handed over to a reprobate mind. They wouldn't know reality if it bit them in the face. And so we're dealing with a catastrophic situation here where a big percentage of not just the American population, but the global population has bought into these lies that, if taken to their logical conclusion, will literally end civilization, individual liberty, and all of the systems that sustain our lives. Um, You know, it's hard to overstate the danger of
0: that. Just a quick follow up on this before we go to the next pillar. Alex Newman with us today is so what do you recommend people do with the with the food and water supply and energy and so forth that's being intentionally transformed? Should we be having backup ways to grow food or should we just continue to rely on the system? What are your what's your advice there?
1: Proverbs tells us that the wise man sees danger coming and uh, takes steps to protect himself. Uh, The fool does not as Christians who, uh, you know, we want to try to be as wise as possible with God's help. um, We ought to be looking at this danger on the horizon, and we ought to be taking prudent, sensible preparations, not out of any sense of fear, not out of any sense of paranoia, but out of a sense of duty. A lot of us have families that depend on us. The Bible teaches that if you don't take care of your family, you're worse than an infidel. Are you prepared to take care of your family if the lights go out for a while? Are you prepared to take care of your family if uh, we end up with food shortages? And I think these are both very real, possibilities. That Christians ought to be considering It's also a phenomenal ministry opportunity If things get worse And I think the last three years during COVID Showed us how rapidly that can happen You know, there's a couple of messages on TV And people are beating each other over the head Over a roll of toilet paper at Sam's Club You know, things can change really rapidly And really dramatically um, If you've got a little bit of extra food If you've got a, a little bit of extra uh, gear that can help people deal with that—that that, that gives you a wonderful opportunity to to share with your neighbors, which we are of course commanded to do as part of loving our neighbors, and also to share the gospel with them. Uh, you know, they're a lot more inclined to listen, I think, when uh, when you can do something for them. I think it's incumbent upon us to to take these things into consideration. And that doesn't mean, you know, you have to grow your own food or anything like that. I I don't think it's a bad idea to have some chickens and maybe have a couple of cows. have got some cows, you know, we we've had chickens before or some of our neighbors do. But also get to know uh local producers in your area. Go to the farmers market, and meet the the people who grow fruits and vegetables locally, meet the people who uh have cows and chickens and uh can get you milk and bacon. Uh you know, these are just sensible things to do. There's no reason why we shouldn't be doing them. And even if everything
0: ends up totally fine and all right,
1: you're still in a very good situation because you're eating healthy food from one of your neighbors.
0: That is great advice all around, something we all need to consider with where our country and the world is heading. Alex Newman is our guest today here on The Christian Real View. Just a reminder... We are offering a presentation he made about the Great Reset, which applies very much to what we're discussing this week and next here on the program. It has slides and video that accompany the presentation. The normal retail of the DVD is $10 plus shipping. You can order a copy of the DVD for a donation of any amount to the Christian Worldview. Just get in contact with us the usual ways by going to our website, thechristianworldview.org, by calling us toll-free, 888 646 by writing to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. You can also watch the presentation online if you prefer. We have the link at our website, thechristianworldview.org. Stay tuned. We have much more coming up after this break. You are listening to The Christian Worldview. I'm David Wheaton. What is the Christian Worldview radio program really about? Fundamentally, it's about impacting people, families, churches, with the life and eternity changing truth of God's Word. We know the Gospel of Jesus Christ is the only message that saves us from God's wrath, by God's grace, for God's glory. And we know the Bible is the inspired Word of God, providing the only way to think and live to the glory of God. We are a non listener-supported ministry. If you would like to help us impact listeners with the biblical worldview and the gospel, consider becoming a Christian Worldview Partner who regularly give a specified amount to the ministry. As a thank you, Christian Worldview Partners automatically receive many of the resources featured on the program throughout the year. To become a Christian Worldview Partner, call us toll-free 1-888-646-2233 or visit thechristianworldview.org.
2: You pray for revival as if it must come, but you go on working as if it will not come. We must carry on witnessing for Christ, living a holy life, seeking to know Christ better, following His ways, following His path, making unity and peace among God's people wherever we can, supporting the preaching of the Word by our prayers and our encouragement. And being, quite frankly, godly Christians.
0: That was from the film Revival, The Work of God, which surveys some of the great revivals of the past 500 years. This two hour, two disc DVD documentary is our new featured resource. Normal retail is $40 plus shipping, and for a limited time, you can order the film for a donation of any amount to the Christian Worldview. Go to thechristianworldview.org. Call 1-888-646-2233 or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Welcome back to The Christian Realview. I'm David Wheaton. Be sure to visit our website, thechristianrealview.org, where you can subscribe to our free weekly email and annual print letter order resources for adults and children, and support the ministry. Our topic today is how God uses man's schemes to accomplish his plans. Alex Newman of Liberty Sentinel Media is our guest. And Alex, let's go from the first two pillars that a society rests upon, national defense and energy. You've talked about those two, Alex. Let's go to number three, which is financial. If a country doesn't have its monetary policy, its financial house in order, if it goes into great debt, there's high inflation, everything really can't be done. The marketplace doesn't work very well. We just recently saw the the, the failing of the second largest bank in history recently failed, Silicon Valley Bank. Also, Signature Bank uh, failed. And then just recently in Europe, Credit Suisse was about to fail and was bought out by UBS, another Swiss bank, and they're, they're they're putting the ramifications for that on the people of Switzerland through taxation. In our country, Alex, inflation has gone way up. Prices of everything are so much higher. Uh, we are, we're in massive trillions of dollars worth of debt. I can't remember where I read this, but recently uh, China is forcing or mandating that their Chinese won, their, their currency is going to be used to do purchases in the marketplace with russia mid the middle east and africa and so forth away from the u.s dollar and one more development is what's called a cbdc a central bank digital currency moving from a, a society where you can pay with cash to going to a society where everything is done digitally there's no cash transactions therefore everything can be tracked and controlled on this third category this third pillar and the financial pillar Tell us why these banks are all of a sudden failing and what this whole financial situation in the world portends going forward.
1: Yeah. I mean, the proximate cause of the recent bank failures is that they're sitting on uh, large numbers of U.S. Treasury bonds with long-term maturity. And of course, they're sitting on massive unrealized losses because as the Federal Reserve has been hiking interest rates, that of course decimates the price of a bond, at least at, at the time that it's happening. And so these banks were sitting on hundreds of billions of dollars worth of unrealized losses. And as depositors started to withdraw their money, they were having to actually sell those bonds. And then those losses then became realized, And so there wasn't enough money to pay back. But the much more systemic reason behind all of this is that we operate now in a monetary system that is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, a giant criminal operation. It is a scam. It is designed to loot the poor to enrich the rich. Uh, and the Bible has a lot to say about this. You know, Leviticus and Deuteronomy both talk about uh, honest and accurate weights and measures. Right? You're not supposed to be deceiving people through funny monetary gimmicks. And when you when you get through the, the fancy terminology that the Federal Reserve and the Ph.D. economists use to, to deceive you and to confuse you, uh, what's happening here is actually very simple. Uh, the monetary system is based on fraud. Uh, the Federal Reserve, which is a privately owned cartel of banks that got itself a monopoly on our currency and credit through an act of Congress, uh, actually creates currency out of thin air. They then loan this currency into the market, uh, typically through the government. Typically, they buy U.S. government bonds, although they also lend some to the commercial banking sector through the discount window. And they loan this money out into the economy at interest, and yet they never created the interest. So take just a very simple example. Let's say the the Federal Reserve creates $1. They loan that dollar into the economy by purchasing a U.S. Treasury bond. So the Federal Reserve is now sitting on a, a Treasury bond worth a dollar of course, there has to be an interest rate attached to that. So let's just say the interest rate is 5%. So at some point, that bond needs to be repaid with a dollar and, of course, five cents of interest. So that dollar starts working its way through the economy. The government start spending it. They spend it on troops. They spend it on uh, studying, uh, you know, the effect of cocaine on shrimp. They spend it on killing babies, uh, you know, whatever they, whatever, Ukraine, uh, you know, whatever it is they choose to spend it on. Uh, That money starts circulating. It gets into the commercial banking sector. Again, the commercial banks now start creating money. They take that that dollar as a deposit and they multiply that through what's called the Fractional Reserve Banking System. But again, they're creating the principal, but not the interest. And so at the Federal Reserve level and at the commercial banking level, you have currency being created out of nothing being lent into the economy at interest with the interest never having been created. So what happens when that money has to be paid back? Well, the principal can be paid back but the interest cannot be. And so you end up in a system where there's actually not enough money in the world to pay back all the debts that are owed. And so that's where we are now. We actually saw this uh, in the Great Depression. Uh, we had the Roaring Twenties where the Federal Reserve and, – and back then the dollar was still nominally attached to gold. Uh, and so the Federal Reserve artificially manipulated interest rates. They kept interest rates far lower than the market would have had them. And we experienced what was called the Roaring Twenties. Uh, credit was cheap. Credit was widely available. And so businesses were expanding. Malinvestment was happening on a massive scale, Uh, in other words, investment in sectors, industries, businesses, ideas that never would have gotten funding in in a free market scenario, the sense of prosperity, that's what economists, including Keynesian economists, refer to as the boom part of the boom cycle. What happened then is the Federal Reserve started raising interest rates. They started sucking money out of the economy. And then asset prices collapsed, right? All that funny money that had been injected into the system that resulted in, in price bubbles, asset bubbles, in housing, in uh, stocks, in various other sectors. Uh, suddenly, all those prices are collapsing. People don't have enough money to pay anything back. Uh, you owe more on your mortgage than your house is worth. And so everything gets sucked into a black hole. And then the mega banks come in. And start purchasing up everything for pennies on the dollar. Uh, we're in a very similar situation right now where the Federal Reserve started sucking money back out of the economy with this increase in interest rates. And uh, now they really have two choices. Right, Choice one would be to continue, quote unquote, fighting inflation, which inflation is really just thievery. Right, This is just they, they're creating new money and stealing value from you. Uh, And so they can continue pretending to fight inflation, sucking money out of the economy and causing more of what we just saw with the Silicon Valley Bank and the other banks that have been collapsing. Or they can abandon their fake fight against inflation and they can start the printing presses again. They can start flooding the world with low interest, uh, cheap credit and currency. And what will happen then is, of course, what happens everywhere where we see this process. Uh, Same thing that happened in Zimbabwe, where uh, hundreds of trillions of dollars would not buy you a loaf of bread. Same thing that we just saw happen in Venezuela. Same thing that happened in the Weimar Republic that led to Adolf Hitler. Same thing that happened uh, in Hungary. Same thing that we've seen over and over and over again around the world. So this is a, a catastrophic process that's happening, but it is engineered. Now, if we assume for a moment that the Federal Reserve central bankers and really central planners are centrally planning the most important price in the economy, which is the interest rate. We all know central planning doesn't work, but somehow we let them centrally plan the most important price in the economy, the price of money. But let's just assume for a moment that they're well-meaning. Even if they were well-meaning, there's nothing they can do here that would – end in a good outcome, right? If they continue fighting inflation, the economy will get sucked into a black hole. Asset prices will collapse. The stock market bubble, real estate bubble, all of these things will collapse. Massive layoffs in the future, and it will just get worse the more they, quote unquote, fight inflation. If they ignore the fight against inflation and continue printing, we'll have, um, you know, the destruction of our currency. So even if they were well-meaning, there's really no sensible outcome here they're not well-meaning. And so when you realize that, when you realize that the Bank for International Settlements, which is the central bank of the central banks, has for years now been moving us in the direction of abolishing cash towards central bank digital currencies, and of course they've been grooming the International Monetary Fund for a period of generations to ultimately serve as the central bank of the world overseeing a global currency. Uh, You realize we may be right on the precipice of uh, a catastrophic financial, economic, and monetary crisis that would lead very seamlessly into the abolishing of cash, the emergence of central bank digital currencies, which can be totally tracked and controlled and ultimately a one-world World Currency, run and managed by the IMF. Uh, The IMF already has the proto one world currency in play. It already produces it. It already prints it. It's called the special drawing right. And uh, right now, it's based on a basket of national fiat currencies. And they already produce this in massive quantities. During the COVID crisis, they created hundreds of billions of dollars worth of special drawing rights, which is the equivalent of just taxing everybody in the world, or at least everybody who's, whose currencies make up this basket and redistributing that well. So all these systems are already in place. All that's left is the right crisis to usher them in. And, uh, you know, I, I taught advanced economics for, for 12 years. It, it usually takes me, you know, a year to get some of America's brightest high school seniors to where they need to be in terms of understanding the monetary system, the Federal Reserve, et cetera. But um, trying to do my best in very simple terms to, to explain this to people is difficult. But uh, I think the, the key takeaway here is that we're on the verge of massive economic turmoil. It has been planned and prepared. And the same uh, arsonists who set this all on fire are now posing as the saviors as they get ready to dump gasoline on this dumpster fire.
0: The answer you just gave is certainly worth hearing again, because you're right. You talk about finance, monetary policy. It can be confusing, Before I go on to the next one, I need to ask the follow up then, you know, almost all of us are involved in, quote, unquote, the financial system. We have banks and we have investments in the market, perhaps. So is there anything briefly that you'd recommend that people can do to to not kind of go down with the ship when everything changes or or are you just part of the system? You can't do anything about it.
1: Yeah, it's a very good question. And I think a lot of the, the ideas that I offered in the previous um, section where we were talking about food and agriculture, I, mean, I think those things would be wise to consider. Uh, yeah, I always I get asked this a lot. And so I always preface by saying I'm not a financial advisor. I don't give financial advice, but I'm happy to share what my family and I have done to try to prepare. But even before getting into that, I would preface by saying that as Christians, we need to become comfortable with the fact that we may lose all of our Physical possessions, our savings, our wealth, all of it—that uh, is the agenda. I mean, the World Economic Forum some years ago put out their "quote unquote" predictions for 2030 that by then you would own nothing. So there is a plan to make sure you own nothing. And I think at, you know, as Christians, we need to not be attached to our physical possessions, our savings. And I know that's hard, but we need to recognize that our our protection, our security, is not in our savings, our 401k, our gold and silver, in our safe. Right? Our, our, our protection, our security is actually in Christ. And so we need to get comfortable with that and we need to remind ourselves of that. And with that said, I do think everybody is going to end up taking a massive haircut, except the people engineering this who have uh, insider information and are able to figure out where to move assets prior to whatever is the next shoe to drop. But with that said, you know, I, I my family and me, we have purchased some uh, rural agricultural land we have purchased different stocks uh, that I, I think would do better in the type of financial environment that uh, we're discussing um, and you know because there are so many different ways that this could unfold I, I really it sounds cliche but I really highly recommend diversification uh, you know on the one hand you don't want to be sitting on a lot of cash because that cash may end up worthless right it, it may end up uh, at the point where you know like in Zimbabwe or Venezuela uh, it's not even worth using as, as kindling for fire right it's just garbage you can take a whole week Wheelbarrow full to the grocery store and purchase nothing. Uh, and so, with that in mind, you don't want all your assets in cash. But also, with that in mind, uh, there's a possibility that we could see uh, a massive collapse in asset prices, in real estate prices, commercial, uh, rural, you know, agricultural real estate, housing, uh, and also in equities, in stocks. I mean, we could see a, a massive collapse of the stock market where things would lose 30, 40, 50, 80% of their value. And at that point, it would be wise to have a little bit of cash so that you can step in and scoop up some bargains, whether that be stocks or real estate or whatever the case may be. Uh, If you're a gun guy, uh, there are certain types of goods that have historically maintained their value. Firearms are one of those. Ammunition is one of those. Long-term storable food, right? If you have non-perishable food, that'll... That'll hold its value, right? It's not that beans or rice will be worth less. And so I would recommend highly uh, diversification, but I also would urge people to, to prepare for spiritually, mentally, and physically for the idea that uh, we may be headed into some real economic turbulence in the months and years ahead. It may get very, very rough. It may feel very uncomfortable, and uh, we're just going to have to understand that uh, our, our provision, comes from the Lord. Our security comes from the Lord. And I would urge Christians, you know, I I think some people probably hear this and they get scared. I I would urge Christians not to uh, succumb to fear, right? The Lord did not send us a spirit of fear, that's the wrong response to this the correct way to look at this i think is is as a ministry opportunity uh and as um as as an opportunity to share the gospel with our neighbors but uh, we do as i mentioned you know have families and we need to take prudent steps to protect those families and so i think it'd be very wise to start considering these things uh, maybe talk to a financial advisor one more thing i'd recommend is if people have a way of diversifying their income uh, that would be very wise. You don't want to depend on just one source of income, uh, especially if you're working for, say, you know, Fortune 500 company or something. You know, we saw what happened over the last three years. Either you take this jab or you lose your job. If you have multiple income sources, if you've got, you know, farm and a stake in a small business and a regular job and, you know, things like that or royalties coming in from something, uh, you know, you can better weather that storm and also try to, you know, make sure you have a good local community, whether that be, you know, a church or a Bible study, a homeschool co-op, even just a group of neighbors that get together and, you know, grill out once a week and and just, you know, share thoughts and um, it can make all the difference in the world. And I would say also. Make sure you're involved in the political process, make sure you've got relationships with your local officials, your mayor, your city council, your sheriff, your county commissioners, even at the state level, you know, your state representatives, your state senators, because um, it really can make all the difference in the world. You know, over the last three years uh, in, in my little part of the world, life was pretty normal. We never had uh, shutdowns, mandates, mask things, uh, you know, vaccine passport, none of that. I mean, where, where I stay, life was basically normal, right? except for a few people putting on masks and stuff at the grocery store. Uh, we were never ordered to do anything. Uh, and that is because we had good, decent, God-fearing, constitution-respecting Americans at our city government, at our county government, and also in our state government. So we try to work with uh, the people that God has placed in authority to make sure that they understand what is the purpose of government uh, as far as God is concerned, and what is their constitutional authority as far as the constitution of our country and of your state permits. Mm.
0: You've been listening to Alex Newman today in the program, and just a reminder, we have one more week with him coming up, where he will discuss these next four pillars. And you can also get a DVD of this presentation we've been talking about that he did on The Great Reset. You can order it for a donation of any amount to The Christian Worldview. Our contact information will come up immediately following today's program. Let's not be afraid. God uses the sinful schemes of man to bring about His plan. That's what the believer can know. But if you are not a believer in Christ, I urge you today, do not harden your heart. Humble yourself before God. Confess that you are a sinner. Put your faith in Jesus Christ, his perfect life, his substitutionary death on the cross as paying God's required penalty for your sin. His miraculous resurrection, proving that he alone has the power over sin and death. God promises to forgive you and grant you eternal life. If you need to find out more, go to our website and click on the page, What Must I Do to Be Saved? Let's remember, Jesus Christ and His Word are the same yesterday and today and forever. So until next time, think biblically, live accordingly, and stand firm. Thanks for listening to The Christian Worldview.